When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily. Your daily Premier League podcast. Welcome to Football Social Daily, the only place for a new Premier League podcast every single day of the season. If you're new around here, why not hit subscribe and that way you won't miss the juiciest top flight gossip every 24 hours. And on today's show, we'll be looking at West Ham United and their latest acquisition. The Hammers Club anthem is I'm forever blowing bubbles, but that may as well be changed to I'm forever blowing budget if their transfer record in the past is anything to go by. But not this time as they've managed to secure what seems like a snip for a German international defender. Tilo Kerr is the new man in East London, but will he be the new man in your fantasy Premier League side too? Tom from the FPL podcast, who got the assist, will be on hand to answer those burning questions, including the Leon Bailey conundrum and whether it's too soon to be thinking about binning Liverpool's Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson after their slow start to the campaign. And later on in the podcast, we'll be asking, what's one thing in football that you just won't do? After Chelsea's Mark, Kukurea revealed he categorically won't be chopping his barnet despite having it pulled at the weekend in the draw with Spurs. My name's Niall and all of that to come on today's show in the company of Joel Tudor and Steve McNaughton. Morning, boys. Good morning. Morning, guys. Now, Steve's a Liverpool fan and Joel is a Manchester United fan, but you have to wait until Monday to see those two sides face off in the Premier League. Some of the weekend's action will be previewed on The Dugout, our dedicated podcast from Football Social Daily featuring former top flight players. And it will be Francis Benali and Matty Fryatt joining me for that one. So hit subscribe and you won't miss that on Saturday morning. Speaking of Mark Kukurea's hair, we've almost got an evolution of hairlines on today's podcast. You've got me, then you've got Joel... And then Steve, who's <laughs> fully, fully embraced the, uh, 
the baldness. Um, I suppose, Steve, seeing as you do a lot of uh, mixed martial arts, um, not having long hair is a benefit, <laughs> well, yeah. as Mark Kukurea found out at the weekend. Definitely, you don't want that getting in your way when you're you know, getting in amongst it. So, uh, fair play to him for sticking to his values and saying that he's not going to shave, you know, get rid of it. I was going to say shave it off then. That's just what I do. But, um, <laughs> you know, he's he's digging in and uh, he'll get a lot, of, a lot of that because he's got a majestic head of hair. And, he does. Um, you know, I think you know these kind of defenders that play the dark arts will probably do a bit of that. But you can't get away with much these days with VAR and stuff like that. So, well, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you a shave it like um, number one or zero man, or are you a get the razor out and do it old school, proper shave it off? I've got. Um, I don't know if I should name the product on uh, the podcast, <laughs> but you know we don't. We want to be uh, you know giving them an, an endorsement like we're not paying for it. But basically, I've got a handheld razor. Um, which is a famous brand and you just literally put it across the hole of your head and it takes about two minutes to to give you just above a blade shave. So it's, you know, it's it, it looks like a blade shave with a day's growth on it and, you know, do that a few times a week and happy days. I will say Steve does look a lot more menacing than Mark Kukurea does, in all fairness. <laughs> I, think, I think it's the baldness that does it. Right, let's talk about West Ham United. That's who we're going to start on today's episode of Football Social Daily. And there is another new face in the building, their sixth summer signing, and it's Germany defender Thilo Kehrer from PSG. And they've signed him for 10 million quid. We knew that West Ham needed a centre-back, Joel, as Issa Diop has moved to another London club in Fulham. So do you think that represents decent value? A, a player from PSG, he's a Germany international, Ten million pounds in a summer window that has seen some really mad prices. Yeah, I think I think getting any kind of German international for ten million is pretty decent value, especially when they've just sold uh, Issa Diop for sixteen million. I feel like with Diop, it's it's like I've not heard or seen from him since Mourinho made those comments about him being such a great signing and wanted to know who signed him because he was amazing against I think it was against United um, during the game against West Ham. But to sign Kara, who you know he's been at West, um, sorry, he's been at Paris Saint Germain for a good, good, good few years now. After signing from Schalke, it was always been hard for him to get back into the team, especially when you've got the likes of Kimpembe, and then you had Sergio Ramos join. Um, obviously, on the back of Thiago Silva leaving, it's just been a constant carousel wheel of top top defenders. Obviously, you've got Marquinhos, who is never going to get out of that centre back role as well. So. He's been in and out of the side, you know, 24 games a season here, 27 games a season there, but he's never been the main figure pin. But I think for for 10 million, you can't really argue against it when it's a full international player um, who is probably going to be one of the, the main players or one of the main options for Germany coming into this next World Cup. But... Like you say, I think right now there's such a shortage of top, top defenders. But more so, I think these days, you can't just be a good defender. You've got to be so good on the ball. Um, I think gone are the days where you could just be this tough tackling um, monster at the back who just tackled it and then gave the ball away to someone who could take control of it. You see now in all of the top sides, majority of them could probably play in midfield. They're that good on the ball. Uh, and I think with him, he's probably one of those types of players. But I think it's just it's just smart. It's smart business. And I'm surprised that PSG have let him go for such a small amount of money, to be honest. But I think when they want to move someone on, they're pretty fair with how, how much they want to let them go for. And I think for West Ham to keep 
it under what they receive for Diop is good business for them. Yeah, we talk about good business because traditionally with West Ham, and I think some West Ham fans listening to this might well agree, they may well be nodding their head in agreement, is that there's been times in the past, Steve, where you've looked at West Ham and their transfer policy and thought, why have they paid that much money for him? On this occasion, it's a a rare bit of applause and a, a pat on the back for the Hammers because... As Joel rightly points out, to have sold this to Diop for 16 million and then to get this guy in for 10, I mean, even if it flops, you can then turn around as a West Ham fan and be like, well, it wasn't exactly expensive. Absolutely. I think it's a very shrewd piece of business. And, you know, I think Joel makes some absolutely fantastic points on that. But, you know, just to add to it, you know, the, the guy's got Champions League experience, he's got Europa League experience. And, um, he's 25 years of age and he's only had one red card when he was 19 when he was playing for Schalke. And, and like you say, he's got nine caps for Germany. But I think what's happening with, with West Ham is that, and I think Newcastle are going to have a bit of this uh, or maybe are having a bit of it, um, is that West Ham got to the semi-finals of the Europa League last season and their profile will have been raised significantly on the back of that. They play in a stadium that gets 61,000 fans in it per week. And they are making some good signings and trying to turn themselves into a team that finishes 7th or 8th into a team that finishes 5th, maybe sneaks into 4th at some, you know, on the odd season. And I think it's got to be applauded. I think it's a no-brainer. And it's interesting because some of the signings that have come in for relatively low value across the Premier League are the ones that have, have you know, really done well and you know Andy Robertson 8 million who I was bringing back to Liverpool but um, you know he, he, he was a snip and I just think this is a wonderful piece of business for West Ham and I think that you know to get a German international for that is is fantastic and it's good to see the balance sway back to paying um, competitive fees instead of adding that tax on it for not having the profile well you talk about the profile and European football is partly one of the reasons as to why West Ham probably have grown in I wouldn't say stature is fair, but certainly grown in attractiveness for for players wanting to come to the Premier League and seeing West Ham as a a viable option. They are in European action tonight, actually, David Moyes' side. Europa Conference League qualifying against Danish club Filborg. Are we expecting them to be a force in that competition, Joel? Do you think they've got enough to to go deep into the Europa Conference League? We saw Leicester reach the semi-finals last season, for example. Honestly, I think it's on them how much they want to take it and how far they want to take it because... I was just mentioning to you previously before the podcast of how Leicester found themselves in the Conference League and it felt to me like Brendan Rodgers, when he first went into it, felt a little bit entitled on his part just for the fact that he found themselves in this new third-rate competition that he didn't really have any respect for until suddenly the finish line was there and obviously you could see that the fans were massively up for it you could see all the Leicester fans you know hovering around in Rome together I'm sure they loved it and then you realize it's not just about the professionals it's about what it brings for the club and the people of the club and I think for West Ham they've got such a top squad I mean if they get through which they should they're automatically one of the top favorites by an absolute mile Um, and considering the fact that they've not won a tight a trophy just bottom line a trophy in such a long time it's an opportunity for them as they saw last year where they got to the Europa League final I remember 10-15 years ago the Europa League was something that everyone used to 
completely chant about because it was on channel five and nobody wanted to watch it and it was just a completely shambles of a competition but now it has a little bit steady on (laughs) (laughs) i watched watched ac milan nearly walk away from fratton park with their tails between their legs on channel five (laughs) now my team's in it now i mean i can't complain anymore (laughs) Um, but yeah i mean it's, it's it's such a good experience for for just for fans to be honest and the fact that it's got that prestige of being able to go into the Champions League now that just raises the profile completely because these clubs who never get a chance in their ultra competitive leagues now have a route into the biggest European competition that there is I mean if West Ham won that last year they would have been in Champions League football this year I know it should have would have could have but that that was the opportunity for them um, so I think for West Ham, and judging by this season, not the greatest starts from them, mm. it could be one of their best routes into Europa League again next season. You don't know because the the Premier League's got a good number of contenders to finish in those European places this season. I mean, then Brighton's got a good chance of getting there. Um, I think Wolves might end up shooting up with a couple of their signings. There's a lot of new contenders, I think. So, you know, it, it's not just... The, the face value of being in that competition is what it can bring as well. So I think it, you have to go for it regardless and just see where it takes you. I'm still reeling from the fact you slagged off Channel 5. Nothing wrong with a free-to-air <laughs> I didn't slag it off. Football, I was just saying European football yeah. on British TV. Those were the heady days, Joel. Pompey and Fulham and Everton. No, no, the, you sit down on a Thursday night and watch those teams. Of course you would. <laughs> I, I, I didn't sit down on a Thursday night, although I do remember the Juventus um, Fulham game and uh, seeing, you know, the likes of Treasure Gay against Clint Dempsey. What, what a time to be alive. <laughs> Clint Dempsey he scored a r- ridiculous chip against Juventus, I seem to remember. One of the key things about him that sticks out in my mind is like disgustingly good goal he scored against Juventus. Anyway, let's pull it back to West Ham. Joel's right, isn't he, Steve? They've not had the best start to the season. They're 19th in the table, second bottom, no points. They've lost both of their games, minus three goal difference. Now, we've seen West Ham kind of be in and amongst the top six the last couple of seasons, but... To draw a comparison with Leicester City, we saw them fizzle out quite quickly after winning the FA Cup and two fifth place finishes. The Hammers have made six signings this summer, but they've made a poor start. Do you think they're at risk of a similar issue to what Leicester have faced if they don't capitalise on that momentum? No, I don't think they they will do what what, what Leicester have done. I think they'll be all right. I think they'll find a way. I think quite a few teams have had a slow start to the season, but with two games in, I think it's, it's not a time to really panic. I think it's just played a football. They play good football, West Ham, good energy about them. And I think they'll be fine over the course of the uh, remaining 36 games. Okay, well, West Ham United have signed Tilo Kera from PSG for 10 million and they are in Europa Conference League qualifying action this evening against Vilborg from Denmark. We're going to speak FPL next and I've got Leon Bailey in my team, or at least I did until about an hour ago because I knew I was going to be speaking to Tom from Who Got the Assist and I'm keen to know who he thinks I should replace Bailey with after the Villa man's slow start to the season. He'll be answering all of our FPL questions next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Now it's Thursday and you know what that means. It means it's time to get our weekly fix of FPL and thankfully on hand to do a bit of surgery to our teams for us. We've got Tom from the Who Got The Assist podcast, part of the Sport Social Podcast Network. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. Uh, thanks for having me on again. Uh, looks like the weather is unfortunately gone from the lovely summer <laughs> to being overcast. Big rainstorm yesterday over London. Still some nice sort of... Uh, downpour from my office but yeah no good looking forward to the weekend to me though it feels like the season is actually arriving when the rain comes and you get those <laughs> evening fixtures where the floodlights are on from the very start of the game and not at half time so I'm actually quite looking forward to the winter now and then the football season kicking off I mentioned just a minute ago um, surgery to our teams is that required at this stage, do you think? Uh, have there been quite a lot of transfers being made by managers or have people in general stuck to their get their guns after the first two game weeks? I mean, what's been, I guess, interesting this week in particular is that there was obviously quite a few players who formed in- enforced rather than elective transfers. So Darwin Nunez headbutting Joe Anderson, that's meant that he's the, currently the top sole player. I think almost 900,000 managers have dispensed with the Uruguayan services. And then on top of that, you've got like Coutinho and Matt Cash at Aston Villa. And then Leon Bailey we'll probably speak about in a minute. But those two have also been sold by a combined 900,000 managers because they've been carrying injuries and also failed to perform in the first couple of weeks. And then you've got the question that a lot of people online are asking about Andrew Robertson and Trent being the two Liverpool defenders. So... Obviously, a lot of people did start with the two attacking fullbacks, but it's just not worked out for whatever reason at the start of this kind of season. There's about 140,000 sales for Robertson, about 250,000 for Trent as well. So people are moving away from that double up at the back. And I think that that's kind of the key sort of transfer activity right now in terms of what you do. Yeah, and just building on that, is it is it too early to start thinking about changing? As you say, there's been quite a bit of disposal when it comes to Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold. I've only got Trent in my team, but he hasn't really delivered and neither has Robertson for managers yet. So I guess if you're chasing your tail and you're trying to sort of close a points gap at the top of your respective league, it isn't too soon to think about who could possibly replace them. No, I don't think so. I mean, I've definitely seen a lot of people, for example, swapping Trent, or Robertson over to a cheaper defender to make room for Luis Diaz in their team, for example, and going that way. So having just one sort of uh, uh, Liverpool defender in your team. And that sort of thing could be quite good for structure going forward. It might be, as we discussed, I think a few weeks ago, that 
the peril of having that big at the back formation means that if a midfielder comes to the fore, which is something you're really interesting, you're a bit constricted. So taking that opportunity, adapting to what you're seeing in front of you, there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, Robertson to the eye every time you see him play. If you don't own him, you've got major FOMO, seeing how high up he gets at times during the uh, Crystal Palace game. He was basically playing in the central position. So points will come. It's just the case they haven't quite come yet. So I can see why, as I said, people are looking to take the plunge and move him out for somebody else. But Liverpool have got Manchester United on Monday, which is the final game of this game week. And we know Manchester United have had their problems, to say the least, at the start of the season. They are bottom of the table. And I suppose this is a twofold question because... I imagine there's not many managers out there that have stuck to their guns when it comes to Manchester United players. So is it worth keeping faith for the Liverpool duo for just one more game week, particularly considering how poor Manchester United have been? Yep, uh, I I wouldn't be keeping any faith with the United players if it was me. Uh, I noted that Jadon Sancho and Marcus Rashford have both dropped 0.2 million in two weeks, which is quite a descent, really. I can see why, I understand completely why. In terms of faith for Liverpool with the Liverpool players, absolutely too. I'd be keeping my faith with them. I don't I don't mind, for example, swapping Robertson to Luis Diaz and having three Liverpool players keeping that trident just because Man United have got their problems and after that they've got a couple of nice home games, Bournemouth and Newcastle. So, I mean, yeah, I'd be keeping faith with Liverpool and I think that they will turn it around. And that, that game should be really interesting just because, I, I mean, United's probably should try to get the nil-nil. They probably should be looking to... I think that will be heralded as a, a bit of a victory, really, if they're able to keep Liverpool out. But Liverpool probably need to win, need to go for it, given the fact that City are likely to extend the lead at the top of the table and they've dropped a couple of, uh, four points already. So that game, I think, could be a bit of a powder keg of goals. Keeping a Liverpool attacking presence in that game in a fantasy sense is definitely to be recommended. Yeah, I mean, Mo Salah seems to have really enjoyed himself at Old Trafford, hasn't he, in recent seasons? But he seems to have enjoyed himself at every Premier League ground if you look at his numbers that he's pumped out over the last couple of years. Now, when we spoke to you for the first game week of the season a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about who could come into people's teams at that five, five and a half million price point that could be a real differential. And a few people were looking at Leon Bailey as maybe the answer to that question, but it hasn't really happened for the Jamaica International at Aston Villa. In all fairness, it hasn't really happened for Aston Villa, has it, in the first two weeks of the season? So is there anyone flirting around at that five to five and a half price point, Tom, that you think might be a good replacement for Bailey? Sure. I mean, if we're honest, looking even further out from just Bailey, none of the players within this price bracket, apart from Pascal Gross, who obviously scored that brace against Man United on the opening day, have really put their hand up to say, hey, you know, look at me, I'm definitely worth buying in. You've also got Rodrigo at least, he's a little bit more expensive. But around this price bracket, my key thing to say is that expectations are low. We bought in Ligon Bailey thinking, yeah, it could be, could be a good punt. The expectation probably that he might nick a goal or something. You weren't expecting him to pump out Mo Salah levels of returns week to week. So when it comes to players like this in this price bracket, it's more about the kind of player that you like, the player you think who could do a good job for you. There's loads of names around this price bracket, like sort of Ezzy at Crystal Palace, you know, Fournals, Lanzini at West Ham, Alex McAllister, Adam Milana at Brighton, uh, Josh De Silva, and quite a lot of other players at Brentford, actually, and Brendan Aronson at Leeds. Which, take your pick from them, frankly. If you like the look at what, of one of those players, for example, I've sold Bailey for Ezzy this week because I just think he's a baller. Um, I think you don't really need that much fantasy justification in terms of the data. 
you just need kind of a, an idea of the fixtures, an idea for the plans for this player. Just go with low expectations and just go with the one that you like as much as you can. Um, I, I wouldn't say there's any kind of sure thing in this bracket as there wasn't a sure thing with Bailey. But as I said, in terms of the Liverpool players as well, don't be afraid to just adapt and hopefully thrive by moving these players on if they don't perform. Okay, I want to talk about Chelsea now. I actually have no Chelsea players in my FPL team. I did initially have Sterling before the first game of the season when I was trying to construct a side. And with everything happening at Chelsea in the last few months with a change of ownership and this kind of crazy approach from the new owner, Todd Bowley, in the transfer market, who's just been going out and buying everyone. Um, and he seems to be linked with every single player as well that I can think of. It, I felt that they maybe wouldn't be as effective this season. However, against Tottenham, I was starting to second guess myself. They look very, very good against the Spurs side who have been tipped to do decent things this season. Kaladu Koulibaly scored against Spurs and I couldn't help but notice that one of my friends had him and his team so picked up a few points for that. But are there any players of Chelsea persuasion who you think might be useful picks? There are two and they play on either flank. Rhys James is an absolute freak of nature. He's been in my team since game week one. He's one of those players who if he plays at right centre-back then okay, you know, maybe a bit expensive for 6.1 but if he's right wing-back you've got a player who carries in defence a unique goal threat in terms of defenders scoring goals. I, mean, I know you've got kind of all the centre-backs like Akuli Bali, who you mentioned, Gabriel at Arsenal, who will get those goals from corners. But Rhys James' open play goal threat is just off the charts when he's right, right wing back. So in top, against Tottenham, they changed the shape later on in the game. James was allowed to run free and indeed converted uh, from ball across uh, the box. And I think that he is a player who is just worth owning, frankly, because in the easier games, quote-unquote, of which the next... Five games count as that. Leeds, Leicester, Southampton, West Ham and Fulham. You'd be expecting him to be playing in that right wing back role. And at 6.1, wow, fabulous value. On the other side, Mark Kukurea started the game, got an assist um, from corners. And it sounded like, from what Tushu was saying, that he has the upper hand against Ben Chilwell, who surprisingly started the first game. So uh, Tushu said that, I feel I have the feeling that Kukurea has a bit more of a feeling for the rhythm and intensity of matches than Chilwell at the moment. Chilwell, we keep for substitutions because he's an intense runner. But after his long injury, he lacks a bit of rhythm and feeling for the matches. So that, to me, suggests that at 5 million, Kukurea, if you can't afford James at 6.1, is a viable alternative. And indeed, given how good the matches are and the fact that Chelsea, I, I know I, I know what you're saying now about them perhaps being one to worry about given the start of the season. They remain an elite team in the league. So having a double of their defence is never a bad thing and could be great value over time, especially given the fact these guys offer attacking uh, potential too. Right, finally, who should I captain this week, Tom? Because it's been Kane for two weeks and that was painful when they beat Southampton 4-1 and neither Son nor Kane got an assist or a goal, which is, I think, unusual. And I think that that's fair to say that. Um, Harry Kane did return some points for me, of course, with that goal he scored against Chelsea last week. But should I be thinking about switching up who wears my armband? Well, I mean, I was saying to Anthony last week that... You, you can't really beat yourself up about that at all just because four goals were scored in that game. You it's know, true, it's true. It's reasonable to expect that Kane would be returning there. And to be honest, against Wolves, Kane hasn't got the best record against Wolves, neither does Son. But 
both of them at home, especially with the momentum that should be carried through from that last gasp equaliser against Chelsea. Both of them are very good shouts for the captaincy. I think most people are tossing up between Mo Salah, as you mentioned, great record against Man United, United in disarray, and Gabriel Jesus, who this week scored 19 points uh, against Leicester. I think either of them or Kane represent or Son represent a very good option for your captaincy. And honestly, it's one of those where there's not very much between them. And it will come down to your individual judgment about which one you believe will do better against their opposition defence. So a good question to ask yourself is, will Bournemouth keep Arsenal out? Will United keep Liverpool out? Will Wolves keep Spurs out? And who's going to be the most effective? And who's going to be the least effective? The one you think is going to be the least effective, the least effective defence against the team they're playing, that should probably be where your captain goes. So for me, I'm probably looking at Man United, picking on United a bit and going with Salah. <laughs> but it's very close to him and Jesus. And I completely understand now where you're looking, yeah, you know what, I'm going to go with Kane. But Wolves, pretty stubborn in defence, I would say. It's a sign of the times when you think Manchester United are more likely to concede than Bournemouth. I think that says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> about it does. where things are going for Manchester United at the moment. Tom, great to have you on Football Social Daily as ever. Tom will be back next week, but if you want more FPL stuff from him, then you can check him out on social media. It's at wgta underscore fpl on Twitter, and of course, go and check out who got the assist. The podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Nice one, Tom. We'll catch you next week. Cheers. Thank you. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Great to hear from Tom there and his thoughts on who you should have in your FPL side. Don't forget, you can check out that podcast, Who Got the Assist, part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Now then, we're going to have a bit of fun here on Football Social Daily. First of all, we're going to talk about the latest transfer news in the Premier League. And after that, we'll be discussing one thing in football that we just will not do after Mark Kukurea's comments over the last 24 hours. Let's start with Wolverhampton Wanderers, though, first, and their completion of the signing of Mateo. Mateusz Nunes for £38 million, which is a club record. He signs from Sporting. I mean, the Portuguese contingent just seems to grow at Molyneux, doesn't it, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. I think they've... they've um, what's the guy's name? The uh, George Mendes. Got, still, mm. got his, still got his desk there. Um, <laughs> I think that... He may he, as well have a statue there at this exa- point. Exactly, yeah. I think, it's a, I think it's a very good signing for him. I think it's very ambitious. 
he's been linked with a, a host of top clubs across Europe and you know Wolves have managed to get in there and get that deal done which is is fantastic I think he's excited an exciting prospect at 23 years old and I think he will bring a lot to that Wolves team uh, I just wonder if it means that there might be some movement out of the club though you know, with him coming in. I think, you know, what does it mean for Ruben Nevers, for example? Um, you know, are they going to shift things up a bit? Because, you know, we've got a crazy two weeks to come, haven't we, in this transfer window? And I think that, you know, Wolves, to me, they're, they're a club that they really do punch above the weight when it comes to, you know, the transfer market because they're not worried about lashing out these big fees on on players. I'm thinking of the guy Fabio Silva, you know, 35 million quid for that for the 18-year-old lad who hasn't really worked for them. Um gone on loan, know, I think now. As yeah, well, he Steve. has, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that Nunes has got a bit more about him. He's five years older than him when he comes in, for for example. But you know, you look at the people who've gone in there, like Pedro Neto is an outstanding player. You know, they signed him really young. Yeah. Uh Neves, who we've mentioned, you know, Moutinho, uh, you know, for example. That there really is a, a community of, of Portuguese players that and they have the track record of delivering. So fair play to them. Um, you know, even they had the the red and green away kit, didn't they, a couple of seasons ago <laughs> yeah, of in tribute. And I know. So um, I think I'm dead interested to see how Nunes gets on because I wouldn't have minded him at my club, to be honest. Yeah, 23 years of age, someone who's regarded as having plenty of potential. And you're right about the kind of the element of Portuguese in and amongst Wolverhampton Wanderers. Jose Sartre, I thought, was absolutely outstanding last season in goal. I think he was probably one of the unsung heroes in the Premier League for Wolverhampton Wanderers. And buying young as well, something Wolves have done. You said Fabio Silva, Pedro Neto. Diogo Jota was a smart signing before he actually ended up going to Liverpool. Um, Ait Nuri looks like a decent little player as well, fullback. So they've got some good talent at Wolverhampton Wanderers. It'll be interesting to see exactly how Nunes gets on. I mean, he drew praise from Pep Guardiola in pre-season when Man City played Sporting Joel. But do you think, much like Steve, that the signing of a new midfielder means someone like Ruben Neves could could leave the club? No, they're two totally different players. Um, I think they'll complement each other really, really well, especially because Jean Moutinho's basically on the fringes now of his career, and I think he'll one be moved se- on. he's just signed a one-year extension, hasn't he? So yeah, so I think he'll be become a little bit more of a bit part player but what a bit part player uh, sorry what a player he is just full stop he's just a bread and butter player isn't he, he does the best things so well but I always wonder I wonder if Portuguese has become the, the main language in their dressing room now and that's the reason Connor Cody had to get out of the club because <laughs> my god they have got a Portuguese contingent going on um, but it's funny because I actually saw Nunes in person play uh, in Lisbon when I didn't even know who he was and he was such a standout player there but f- f- he's he's massive in midfield in terms of he gets about the pitch considering his height he's got such a work rate and I think that's what uh, Wolves fans will really appreciate about him and it's it was a shock to me when I saw him actually linked to Wolves in the first place because like you both mentioned he's been linked to nearly every big club in Europe in the last year or so and to see him end up at Wolves, obviously they've got a number of guys who can pull a few strings there. Um, it just shows just the pulling power of how having the right people around your club can bring these kind of players. And I definitely believe that, especially with him, in the next two years, I can see him jumping onto another club 100% because he's got everything in his game to which says to me that he'll, he'll 
go on and progress in the same way that Jota progressed and went to Liverpool, um, in the same way that Neves is definitely going to once he feels the next steps ready. So I think for them to, it'll be a case of just complementing each other. I do wonder what will happen with Ruben Neves because, to be honest, we were talking about that next step being this summer. And he signed for Wolves as a 19-year-old, I think, and he's now 24, 25. He's been there a while, helped them get promoted to the Premier League. He's helped them stay in the Premier League and establish themselves. They finished in the European places, didn't they? They had a Europa League uh, campaign or a couple of them, I think, back-to-back in their first few seasons back in the Premier League. So is the time for him to move on now? Has that time come? We certainly talked about it earlier on in the summer, but it all seems to have gone a bit quiet. Keep an eye on that one when it comes to Wolves, but they've signed a... Mateusz Nunes for £38 million, club record fee for them. I'm not sure it was a club record fee. I don't think it can be when we're talking about Chelsea, but possibly the most money they've ever splashed on a left-back. Mark Kukurea cost Chelsea upwards of £60 million quid, and he's already been making an impact, but not in the way you might expect. At the weekend against Tottenham, he had his hair pulled in the build-up to Spurs equaliser. 96th minute, Harry Kane for Tottenham, meaning the game was drawn 2-2. And we even saw a bit of fireworks on the touchline, didn't we, between Thomas Tuchel and Antonio Conte. But in the fallout of all of that, and the fact that Chelsea weren't awarded a decision by VAR, even though Cucurea had his hair quite clearly pulled, he's come out and said to Spaniard that he will never cut his hair. It's staying on. So I wanted to ask you boys, what's one thing in football that you will never do? We can have a bit of fun with this one. I'll come to you first, Joel, because for some reason I have a feeling that there's a a few things that you could say for this. But if there's one thing you could pin it down to, one thing in football you would never do. Kukure won't ever cut his hair. What will Joel Tudor never do? Oh, I'm interested to think what you think I'm going to say first because apparently you've got some agenda on me. <laughs> no, I'll let, you take it. Um, I've got I've got two <laughs> that come to mind. I think one is that I would never not celebrate against a former club. My God, if I was a footballer, I would rile up every fan like it's my last day on earth, like Jamie Vardy style, but on steroids. I mean, what a position to be in to. I feel like you'd feel like Russell Crowe gladiator, you know, where you can just really intimidate everyone and no one can do nothing <laughs> about it. That's like the best power position I think you could be in. Um, so I think for me, that's one of them. But as a little extra, I have such a gripe against players where they make an assist and then the player who scores goes one way and the assist goes the other way to celebrate as if he just scored the goal. It's like, nah, the assister has to go with the player who's just scored. Otherwise, yeah, for me, it's just so selfish. You have to go and celebrate together. They make it all about them. So for me, um, make goal scorers great again. <laughs> I did not expect that. So are you going to get a hat made up? You're going to get a red hat that says make goal yeah, scorers may- great? Maybe not. Maybe not now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I like that though. I spoke to a former Premier League striker a few months ago actually. Danny Webber used to play for Watford, Man United, Sheffield United, Pompey and a couple of other teams as well. And he said that his old man said to him that he should always celebrate a goal because you never know when it's going to be your last goal. Even if it's against a former club, a goal is a goal. So I can see where you're coming from there, Joel, no doubt about it. What about you, Steve? If there's one thing in football you would never do, what would it be? Swap my shirt with someone at half-time oh. as you're walking down a tunnel. Yes. I, think it's, I think it's pathetic and I'm not a fan of it. And the, the battle is only halfway through and we're putting all the niceties in place for it. I think, you know, head down in that dressing room, regroup, 
you know, galvanize the team and, you know, you know, switch the tactics and tweak the tactics accordingly. But let's not be hugging each other and swapping the shirt on the way, you know, down to the tunnel or in the tunnel. I think that's a, a bad look. Do you think there's too much respect these days, Steve? And the reason I say that is because we're having this conversation off the back of that Chelsea against Spurs game at the weekend. And... Harry Kane scored a 96th minute equaliser. We know that there's a bit of history and a bit of hatred between Chelsea and Spurs fans. It being a London derby and two managers who are very passionate on the sidelines going at it as well. We know all about that sort of stuff. But I couldn't help but notice in the pictures after the full-time whistle that Raheem Sterling, one of Chelsea's marquee new signings, went up to Harry Kane, who he's clearly mates with. They play together with England. There's no doubt they're both friends but sort of patted him on the back and shook his hands. And I couldn't help but thinking, Raheem, just do that down the tunnel. Because if I was a Chelsea fan, I'd be spitting at the fact that you conceded a 96th minute equaliser to your rivals in a game that you probably deserve to win. And yet your new signings going over being all friendly with you know, public enemy, arch enemy number one, Harry Kane shaking his hand. And, you know, we're not stupid. We know these players are mates. And they all get on and they play for each other with each other for England and all of that stuff. So, you know, we're not trying to turn a blind eye to all of that. But maybe that's just the sort of thing that could happen in the dressing room and not in front of the fans. I agree. I think it's a good point. You know, I think Raheem Sterling should, you know, if it was me, as opposed to what I think he should do, because that's not fair. Um, if it was me, I would be raging that we've just conceded a last minute equaliser. And I would not want to go near the guy. Uh, like you say, after the match, when all the press obligations are done or in the tunnel or whatever, but I, I think you're right. I think doing it for the cameras on the pitch is is not the the way forward. And I think, you know, I think football should have respect in the right way. You know, I think, but it is it is a competitive game. Uh, you know, the men and women that play football, you know, they're coming out of it with bumps, bruises, severe injuries, and I think you know it is one of them where. Um, you know that there maybe there is a bit too much emphasis on on the respect because it's a battle at the end of the day. You know, try, you're trying to beat that team of men and women who are stood in front of you and and in your way of progressing. So I just think that, um, you know, I think across both the men and women's game, I think you know it probably we need more Jill Scott. That's what we need. <laughs> what do you think, Joel? Do you think that there's a bit too much respect these days between players? We don't tend to see. Keane and Vieira in the tunnel anymore. Seems like that era is gone. Yeah, I mean, I fall out with my best friends at Sunday League and five-a-side, so I don't know what these guys are doing at half-time in a Premier League game. It's just, it's, it's madness to me. I think you do 90 minutes of battle, like Steve said. You play football, there's a million hours after the game to do all of that kind of stuff. But at half-time, when your mind's still racing about what the next half's going to bring and what needs to change and you've, you're trying to change shirts as if it's the end of the game it's just it's madness to me so yeah I would never do that either I've thought about this and what I would never do and you know I was I'm in an iron about it I was a bit 50-50 and I come to the decision that if I was a professional footballer now let's just say I started my career tomorrow I wouldn't have social media And I don't think I ever would throughout my career because I think nowadays it's just become too much of a problem. And I know that it can bring in an extra revenue stream for players with brand endorsements and a lot of people get paid to post these days. But I just think that is it going to cause more hassle than it's worth? We've seen a story only this week. Cristiano Ronaldo liked a comment from a fan page on Instagram and it's got sort of 25 articles about it because he's the 
biggest, most followed football player in the world on social media. And I just think this is the same guy, Cristiano Ronaldo, who's come out and said that he's kept track of a hundred news articles about him this summer and only five of them have been right. And yet, you know, you've got another 25 off the back of one press of a button liking a comment on social media. I just think, Steve, social media now for football players, as much as it can be a useful tool, is almost more hassle than it's worth. I agree. I think you don't get a minute's peace on it. You're under constant scrutiny. And if something goes bad in a game, you're immediately attacked by hundreds and thousands of people. And I just think that generally, I think it's it's social media is, because, you know, I obviously work in social media, but I think that um, used rightly and correctly is, it it can be a brilliant tool to engage with the, you know, the fans, the the club and all that. But I do think that the, the media owners need to do more to make life more, Bearable for them because you know when these footballers can monetize the profiles, they can make a lot of money out of them, and it's you know it's an extra revenue stream for them. So I, I do get why they should be on it, but I think if you're you know comfortably well off, which these footballers are, and you can live without that additional revenue stream, and you're not that particularly ego driven, I think yeah, you're probably right. Stay off it. See so many social media faux pas, don't you? In fact, there's so many that I can't actually think of one off the top of my head. I mean, one of the original ones was when Jolion Lescott decided he was going to tweet about his new car after Villa had just been relegated to the championship. (laughs) And he says that it was tweeted from his pocket. And, you know, I understand that sometimes people do have lives outside of football. We're not that naive to think that football dominates 24-7 in in these people's lives. For some people, it's just a game and players have admitted that. But... I think that if you are going to have a social media, maybe it is worth keeping it under wraps and keeping it private. Was it Anna Chebu when it was at Sunderland who, said, who tweeted, say something like, thanks for the fans <laughs> for coming down. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that's, that's, uh, you know, that's when it can go down. And obviously we've got the famous Wayne Rooney asking Rio if he needs a lift in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> that's legendary, that. Uh, you know, hey so. Rio, do you need a lift in the morning, pal? Um, <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I don't think that'll be topped. Anyway, yeah. I could talk about social media um, having a negative influence, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't follow ours at FSD Pod on Twitter. Is our new page there? So go and check it out. You can also follow the Sports Social Podcast Network on social media as well at the Sports Social because this show is part of that network, and there are a host of other great podcasts as well, including the FPL Show, Who Got the Assist, who you heard from Tom earlier on. That's his podcast, and there's loads of others as well. Whichever Premier League team you support, I'm sure there is a podcast out there for you. But thanks very much, Joel and Steve. Appreciate your time as ever. That is it for another episode of Football Social Daily. We'll be back again tomorrow, so we'll see you then. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.